Welcome to Unleashing Your Inner Man through powerful communication with your host, Tom Johnson III, bringing real conversations and practical tools to help you be the man you are meant to be. Hello everyone, this is Tom Johnson III, and today on Unleashing Your Inner Man, we have Tyson Adams. Uh, Tyson is a Tyson is a man who has been the personal in the personal development world for about 12 years now, and he has had major anger issues. Um, as I believe at one point or not at one point or another, we all have some something to do with anger and we wish we could be less angry or less reactive or get pissed off less whatever phrase you like to use and in this podcast uh tyson uses some or gives us some very good practical examples of how to deal with anger and to let go of the control surrounding that emotion all right thanks for listening and we'll jump in okay thank you tyson for joining i'm excited you're here yeah thanks tom thanks for having me all right everyone so we're going to jump right into the questions and as always i hope you get at least one thing out of this podcast you can apply to your life to improve the quality of your life and unleash your inner man so our first question for tyson uh what are some what are some of your hobbies or what do you do in your free time yeah so i'm a rock climber been doing that for 12 years um, but recently my partner and I, um, have been surfing. She's been surfing for about as long as I've been climbing. So getting into surfing is super intense. It's pretty, uh, intense sport in, in many ways. It's, it feels like a beating every time I go out there, but, uh, I've been enjoying it. And then the other things that I like to do, I also slackline where you set up the wire between two trees and walk along it. So I do that, which is super fun. Ooh. And, yeah, it's, it's just amazing. And then, I mean, other things, obviously, like outdoorsy, hiking, camping. Um, and then kind of on the side as well, I do some men's coaching and lead men into uh, outdoor type experiences where we do a lot of emotional, spiritual, uh, personal development type work as well. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah, that's, a, that's actually my experience too. That is a great environment to do it in. Uh, Absolutely. So... Yeah. All right, so you got your surfing, the slacklining, and yeah. going out in nature. Outdoorsmen we have here. And, oh, yeah. yeah. So um, who are some of your heroes, and why do they inspire you? Heroes. Okay, so, I mean, some of my friends are my heroes, to be completely honest, because I think you get to have a more intimate relationship with them. Um, Connor, where we met on Man Talks, you know, yep. he's an amazing man and is definitely a, um, a hero of mine in the sense that he's a real human being and we actually get to have really great dialogue and he's built an amazing platform with Man Talks. It's really helping a lot of, a lot of men. Hmm. Um, my best friend, Ken, he's uh, 63. He's super awesome, super amazing dude who's definitely changed my life in profound ways. Um, and then as far as sort of, I guess you could say 
like on the climber front, I wouldn't say he's my hero because he's a very interesting guy. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Alex Honnold is a pretty interesting fellow. Have you, do you know Alex Honnold who climbs the uh, walls in Yosemite without ropes? I, I do not. Yeah, oh my gosh, there's a documentary called Free Solo and he climbs, you know, thousands of feet in the air without any ropes on some of the hardest rock climbing in the world and the movie is just inspiring but also frightening. It's scarier than any horror movie you could ever watch. Yeah. So in that sense, you know, he's a hero in that he helps me to have a different relationship with fear, especially in and around rock climbing, which is actually quite scary when you're climbing outside and when the possibility for injury or death is high. <laughs> yeah. So, so no, no two listeners, if you're ever rock climbing, it's perfectly natural to be scared. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, that's interesting. Um, yeah. Um, I, I would, uh, the point I would definitely agree with is any person who is a human being, as he said, like Connor, anyone who will have a real conversation by far can, is a, by definition, a hero in my book too. That's yeah. 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 So, okay, so you got your rock climbing, some scary moments. Now this kind of leads into um, like kind of looking back on your life until now. Um, what moments or moments in your life seemed like they were the worst when they were happening, but they turned out to be defining moments for being the person you are today? Sure, sure, yeah. I mean, the one that jumps out in my mind is um, I lost the state championship uh, baseball game when I was 18. Uh, we lost um, in the last inning to a team that we were up eight to three on and we were 26 and 0. So we absolutely were the best team in the state, but we lost. And I was totally devastated, of course, crying, totally couldn't get out of bed the whole weekend. It was miserable. Um, but because of that, I had a little bit of a bitter taste in my mouth towards baseball. And so instead I pursued education and went to the University of Washington in Seattle, which is a top 10 business school and got a you know, really good degree in economics and marketing and sales. And so because of the failure and my seemingly, you know, just distraught nature towards baseball, it took me in a completely different direction, which actually ended up being a sort of catalyst for my education and for my business background and, I would never take back losing the championship for the new path that it set me on. So it was, it's cool to reflect upon that. Cause you know, it's, it's one of those devastating moments that most people will regret the rest of their life. And I'm like, like actually grateful that we lost. <laughs> mm -hmm. ah, yeah. A very important point for the listeners here. Uh, being grateful in general is fantastic. If you are grateful for your perceived losses and failures, Ooh, life takes on a whole new dimension. Yeah, on that note, um, there's a guy actually in the Man Talks community, his name's Russell, and he's, a, he's an MD, but he uh, studies anxiety, and he um, recently posted a, an article that um, they did a scientific study that basically uh, now has proven that our brain has 10 times more wanting um, neurotransmitters than, than liking neurotransmitters. So effectively, I translate that to we have 10 times more wanting than gratitude receptors in our brain. So mm. we have to work 10 times as hard to be grateful mm. 
uh, just in the biological nature of our human journey, which is hard. It's super hard to do that reflection every day and to be really grateful for what we've been through. So that's always a reminder in my, you know, since I learned that it's been constantly in my periphery every single day for like the last few months. Oh. So, yeah. Yeah, this, that's, this will actually um, um, kind of lead into the next question we have. Um, so a general theme in the self-help and personal development world is to go inside and find yourself or real change happens within, which for someone who's done it, it makes sense. Now, for those who haven't done it, it's like, what the hell are you talking about? Um, sure. So in practical terms, what did you do for this? Or I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. What did you do to do this? Sure, sure. Well, I mean, my journey is interesting in that a broken heart kind of led me down the meditation path. Um, and ultimately, I was really hurt and really angry inside. Not necessarily at her, but just in the journey of my life, I had a lot of issues and things that had arisen from family. And so here I was, and... I was brokenhearted, so I tried to do meditations and letting go and all the non-attachment things. Um, and quite frankly, it didn't really work. I mean, I, I ended up going on that journey for 10 years, living over in Southeast Asia, um, and did a lot of inward diving. And it was wonderful to learn those types of practices of mindfulness and breath and sitting and meditation and things. However, uh, I think it can be also a little bit, um, potentially, depending upon the individual, it can be a little bit dangerous in the sense that I think a lot of people feel that they're sitting with their anger or with their negative emotions, but really they're effectively just sitting on them. And what I mean by that is just smashing them further and further and further down. And ultimately, I think that, I think that the way in which I relate to that now is very different having been in self-development for 12 years, which is to say, maybe even longer, which is to say that we do need to get the, uh, especially the negative emotions out of the body. And that can be sometimes, and in my opinion, most effective if it's a little bit of a messy process, hmm. therapeutically speaking. Hmm. Um, so developing skills to uh, develop a relationship with the uh, parts of ourselves that really do have some turmoil and finding ways to express that outward. So to me, that concept of going inward is about going in, but then ensuring that we have an external uh, release on those emotions through, through different practices, not just sitting with them. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like, uh, I'll, I'll uh, give my metaphor here. It's kind of like, so you have your anger, we'll use anger as an example, in, yeah. inside, literally, it's, it's, it's literally within your biology. It's stored in our bodies based on our memories. So you go in with your uh, memory digging out shovel um, and you, you, um, you find the anger, you dig it out, and then to actually, uh, what's the word? To get it out of the the body and the the energy in there is to have some external like for example writing it down so your shovel's kind of like journaling or meditating or talking yeah. to someone yeah something like that yeah you could do a couple different things I mean for example if you're writing from your inner critic you know you could actually grab your journal and basically give your inner critic voice 
where you just start going and you just permit yourself to say the craziest, most horrible things about yourself to yourself. But ultimately, if, if we're fused with the inner critic or the anger, then that's just all self-directed. But when we realize that that voice in us, that part of us is not us, hmm. but that's just a, a part of us, one of the many voices in us, then we can really start to you know, journal and write from those places. And when we start to know and get to, you know, get to learn those pieces and give those voices some space in us, then we can be in a lot more uh, better relationship to that voice instead of fusing with that anger or fusing with that critic, we can kind of have a separation. So instead of like that critic being in the front row watching the game, you know, you have a little separation where the critic can, you know, can still be in the stadium, but they're in the back, you know, they're in the, in the, in the nosebleeds. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of the way that I relate to it. But the other way that you can do it, you know, is um, conscious rants. Conscious rants are a really great way to do this. But basically you just stand up in your, in your room, in your home. Obviously you would want to make sure it's, uh, you know, not too noisy. But basically you give yourself permission to be completely unfiltered. Mm-hmm. You can say and say and express whatever it is that you need to say or express. Um, I do mine on my bed. So often, you know, there's a lot of physical nature to the process as well. Hmm. But as I'm emoting and also using my physical form and, you know, hitting the pillows and things, I can get out the energy that's in the body that ultimately I was in the past just trying to sit with Hmm. and trying to get it to leave. Or I was, um, sexualizing it and, you know, masturbating it away as opposed to getting it out in a more therapeutic way that would be uh, more helpful to it not showing back up and or controlling you more, more regularly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. So the, um, the uh, literally hitting, hitting the, like literally getting the emotion out through physical um, movement or which might be punching your pillows or running for some people or as the masturbation might be a temporary relief and just kind of cycles. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like with our men's group, like we'll do the Maori warrior dance. Have you ever seen the Maori warriors from New Zealand, the native people there? Is it they, the rugby team do it? Yeah. The rugby team oh, does okay. it. Okay. So we have the guys do that. They stick out their tongue and scratch their chest and like stomp around. And like, it's pretty, pretty intense, but it really helps to get, a lot of that energy out of the body that like is just stuck. It's just stuck there. And so it's not to say that we like what you were describing, you know, digging it out, like, yes, but for me, it's more, more or less that the energy transmutes from anger into a new form so that it's not necessarily that like it expulges, although it does, but you're actually on the inner world, your inner sort of, body the cells are literally transmuting into a more peaceful vibration through that process i gotcha gotcha okay yeah change it into something useful basically absolutely yeah yeah so um maybe you already answered this next question um which was your conscious ranting but if uh, if you have a different answer please please answer so the question is what do you do when you feel overwhelmed yeah um so I try and stick with a, a breathwork um, routine in the mornings. So when I wake up, instead of just jumping on the phone or whatever, I usually um, will put on a nice, peaceful uh, soundtrack, and then I'll do some 
um, holotropic or Wim Hof type breath, breath work. And then I will hold my breath and or expulge all the air out and hold it. And so that's uh, very useful as well to integrate into when you are overwhelmed. You know, if you have a daily practice, then it's easy to go to that practice if necessary. Um, of course, I already mentioned it, conscious rants are super crucial to have those. Um, and then, uh, you know, I never really lifted as a kid, but now I've begun weightlifting and I don't like do squats, but I do bench and other things. And of course, rock climbing, rock climbing ex expels a lot of energy. So I try to always have a physical practice. The other thing that I do and have done in the past is especially at night, I'll go to the ocean and if I'm really overwhelmed or really angry, I'll go out alone in the ocean and I'll just go to town and just start going crazy. I'll just have a conscious rant in the ocean because the wave just keeps smashing you and you can go underwater and you can yell as loud as you can. You can punch and hit and kick and yell and scream and like nobody, nobody hears you. Mm -hmm. That's another really good way to like get out a lot of emotion that's like necessary that's stuck in the body too. Yeah, because uh, yeah, you're not going to beat the ocean. That's how, no. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, no, no. And, like, the, the ocean's kind of trippy because it can be as like peaceful and loving and kind and like Mother Nature, or it can just be throttling you and just plummeting you to the bottom and holding you down. Right. Mm. It just depends upon your relationship with it. So you can use the ocean in many different ways depending upon what you need to get from the ocean and how deep you want to go out there. You know, I've, I've even gone out at night past where I can touch in the darkness of the night. It's fucking scary. It's like pretty, pretty intense. Yeah. yeah. But it, it definitely um, develops a degree of courage and it gets me through a lot of those overwhelming um, anxious states. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ooh, so a good way to, um, to kind of, lessen our daily anxiety is to yeah face some kind of fear like yeah yes. develop, yeah definitely yeah i will say when personally when my feet are not touching the bottom my first feeling is like Hoo. It, yeah. it's not necessarily like freaking out but it's definitely a Hoo. like a warning sign it's like your feet are not touching the ground you're not feet are not touching the ground what are you doing what are you doing and then if i yeah. Yeah, yeah. If it starts to sink a little bit, it's like, okay, 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 okay. Ooh, can I get a handle on this? Yeah, okay, okay. I can go up and down, up and down, and that's all I can do. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. Oh, wow. That's a, uh, yeah. That is powerful. Wow. That is a, so if you live near an ocean, heed these words if you feel anxious. Absolutely. <laughs> so, um, I, have, I have found, um, with uh, anyone who has gone down the um, personal development path or, or make themselves a, a better human being, there's typically some uh, shame or guilt involved that comes up with friends and family members. Um, it's different for every person. So were there any friends or family members who you felt ashamed to talk about what you were learning about yourself? As oh, you yeah. Yeah, that's always a difficult path um, because you're, you're – you're coming up against uh, your own uh, traumas and abuses, neglect, abandonment wounds. You're coming up against a lot of the things that were the product of your conditioning, the product of your family and your family systems. Mm -hmm. And when you come up against those things, you feel 
at least for me and a lot of men that I've worked with have a desire to address those things with the individual or individuals that, you know, created that, especially for me. I mean, there's a strong desire for me in that in regards to wanting to go backwards in time to right the wrongs of this moment. Um, as I've matured, as I've gotten older, what I've noticed is that it's, there's some people that just don't have the capacity um, or just not even the capacity. They, they don't have, they, they themselves have had so much of their own traumas and they haven't had anybody rectify those with them that it makes it very difficult for them to step into the ownership and rectification of what they did. And so I think that it's important to relate to the people that have harmed you in ways that sees them also in their own childlike state because ultimately they were children too and they were going through their own traumas as well and their own life at their own time, which as life has progressed, it's been easier and easier to live. It was harder and harder the farther you go back, right? And yeah. so the alcoholism, the, uh, the toxic sort of nature of, of just how the culture was with men at that particular time, um, the racism, the poverty, the, de the coming out of the depression, uh, created a lot of um, things that were culturally acceptable that today are not. And so you can get really hung up on going backwards. I think the most important piece of advice I could have would be to, um, hold on one second. Really, it's to love, uh, to love them without needing to change them, which ultimately turns into not necessarily premature forgiveness, because we don't want to forgive necessarily or forget what we've had happen to us. Hmm. But by loving them backwards, we actually end up getting to um, forgive the actual verb forgive. Hmm. And then that sets them free from the guilt and the shame of what they either can't own or don't even remember that they did. Hmm. Hmm. You yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I, I, I'll add one thing to this. One thing I always like to um, let people know is that the, uh, as we are children, whatever, whatever, we learn everything from our parents. And what they learn, what what you learn from your parents, they learn from their parents, and what what your grandparents probably learn from your their your great grandparents. It's a lot of uh, accidents out there. Yeah, I guess. actually, Jeez. California. Or San Diego. <laughs> um, so yeah, the um this is a, this is actually. A, a uh, very important thing I personally stress, and I'm glad you uh, brought this up, that a, per a person's um, behavior and their beliefs is not necessarily who they are. So this is a great, which is a kind of the foundation for forgiving someone. Sure. So um, thanks for bringing that up. And so maybe you already answered this, but how are your relationship with some of these people now? With the people that uh, I'm seeking to go back and have reparations with, or what do you mean? Which, oh. which people are you speaking uh, about? 
this this would this, this would be the people who you're kind of ashamed to bring this bring so you learn about yourself whatever it was the anger the shame and you felt kind of ashamed to are guilty to talk about it with some people um sure so how yeah. are i mean in the case of the family members that i needed to have conversations with i'm completely open and honest about where i'm at now um 100 authentic um sometimes there's a there's a lot of modalities to this you know there's a lot of letters that i needed to write but i didn't really need to send i've noticed um there's also a lot of things that you want to say when you're in their presence but you just can't say um for me the conduit was uh you know sending voice clips being able to say what i needed to say but with my voice so that they could understand the inflection but then also some email communications were necessary to say some of the things that were necessary hmm. um, relationships have improved with my degree of authenticity and vulnerability not because it necessarily changed the behaviors of them hmm. but it released the burden for me to live in the mask of what they wanted or perceived me to be hmm. and that's that's the beauty of the liberation, the self-liberation that can happen when we begin to be completely authentic with our family members, regardless of whether they can accept us or not accept us or repair or not repair, is that we don't have to carry the burden of feeling inauthentic to especially the ones that, you know, we are most shameful in speaking to about what, you know, what ultimately happened or what what was met like what was messed up in the family system yeah so essentially you're unburdening yourself from being the person you had to be to like physically be in this person's presence kind of exactly yeah which is huge and you know if, if i could explain it in like you know one book or sentences i i couldn't this is something listeners you actually have to experience yourself yeah so okay so Wow, it must be accident day in San Diego. This is amazing. <laughs> so, um, so here, here's a question that um, here's a question I think is really important. So, is there what are some things that you that hold on? Let me rephrase this. What things did you do that you recommend others not to do? <laughs> in and around what? in this uh, kind of uh, making yourself a better person, um, um, personal development, releasing old traumas, getting, getting along with parents is kind of the general themes. Yeah. Um, I think the most important thing for men to understand is, is that if we've, if we've had a parent that was abusive or traumatic in some way towards us, um, usually that causes us to go the opposite direction of the way that they live their life. So if they were a particular religious way, if they were a particular type of business owner, if they were a particular type of uh, political party, right? We end up uh, going the exact opposite because in our inability to metabolize our own anger and our own rage we reject them entirely and so then we choose the opposite path 
but we don't realize that we're still being controlled by them because we're doing the opposite of what they did. Hmm. And so I think that that's an important thing. You know, I, I did the opposite of those that were in that particular, that I was in that particular relationship with. And that was, that owned me ultimately because it ended up being, um, something that I was doing out of a reaction instead of out of a choice. Um, and I think that, that it took a while for me to like wake up to that particular reality. Um, for example, if you have a, a an abusive uh, parent that is highly religious, for example, um, often you'll see that the child will end up going to be an atheist and they'll become an academic atheist in whatever way. Mm-hmm. And what I've noticed is, is if you go in and you start to navigate within the individual and you realize that, and you help them to see that their rage uh, towards towards dad or towards mom or whoever it is that was a religious figure is often um, then projected upon some external God, which they believe that doesn't exist. And therefore there's no God whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that there is or isn't God, because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not here to say that there is, or that there's not, I, I don't assert that there is or not, but um, often when they come to terms with their own rage towards a particular parent that resembled the church or a religious thing, they can realize, oh, I'm, I'm just personifying and projecting that there's no God in this ethereal space of the way in which I'm thinking about things. Hmm. So I think that that's an important thing that I've learned too, which is don't, don't assert you know a truth or you like know something for absolute certainty because of rejection, rejecting, you know, an individual who resembled or, or, or uh, was a symbolic individual to something that is external of you. Because mm-hmm. then that can really screw up your journey to, to potentially healing in ways that would be, um, you know, really beautiful. Or vice versa, you have a very strict religious, let's just say Catholic punitive parent, and then that takes you into the complete opposite, which would be, you know, going down the, uh, the path of, you know, uh, like the sort of spiritual zone, right? Yeah. And like, that's wonderful, all that stuff, love it, went down that path too. But it's important to understand that often that could be, you can be spiritually bypassing. You can effectively be using these other modalities to uh, bypass the rage and anger that you have towards, you know, this individual that ultimately created this in you. And so I think that, you know, those are the things that I would impart in the people's journey, just to be careful about what you're rejecting and then how that forms your new path. Yes, I, I can personally relate to this, what you, what you just said. Um, my personal experience was, I perceived my, um, my parents as always being angry. These, those are the most emotionally charged moments that I remember. So I did everything to avoid anger, learn through meditation, spirituality, how to understand everyone's situation and help the whole world, mm-hmm. which actually in the end ended up being a total energy drainer because you can't please all the people all the time. So um, what Tyson said, um, 100% true, at least yeah. from my experience as well. Yeah, so, absolutely. so um, 
The next question we have here, you kind of answered with your, your morning breathing routine. Is there any other daily rituals you have and how have they helped improve the quality of your life? Sure, sure. Um, yeah, I mean, the breathing is really important um, just to start the day off right. Um, and then as far as like other things, uh, I try to do some form of movement every day, um, even if it's as little as stretching. Um, but, you know, there's yoga and then, of course, climbing, running, um, surfing, anything. So getting the body moving once a day is super crucial. Uh, and I think planning, planning the day, planning the next day, the day of the day that you're doing is also really important so that when you actually come to your computer or you land, you know what you have to tackle. Um, so I would always encourage that for people too. That's a huge one. And, um, yeah. And then I would say it's important. Uh, I don't revisit my goals daily, but it's important to work on uh, monthly, quarterly, and yearly goals mm -hmm. so that we make sure that we're going in the right direction. Yeah. yeah, out of out of that, I will personally attest for, especially for people who are just beginning to understand that some, something's, something's not right about life, plan the next five things for the next day, the night before. That way you feel you at least have some control of what's going on and you have a direction to go. And um, um, I have found that when we have our whatever moments when we're like, oh, and the self-development personal help develops, or I'm sorry, um, enters into our life, we're kind of not in, we're not going in any direction. We're kind of lost and up in the air about what's going on. So definitely as a first step, I believe that is, that is oh so powerful yeah so um now we are you know this is a this is a podcast for men mainly men and so this is something that maybe most men would relate to in your experience what are topics that men want to talk about and then topics they don't want to talk about um men don't want to talk about their uh their trauma and abuse from childhood. They don't, they don't like going backwards. Um, they, they want to talk about sex, but only abstractly. They don't really want to be that vulnerable about the nuances of their own sexuality, um, whether that's masturbation or with their partner or, uh, or traumas that they've had. Those are usually like, they desire to be good at it from a, technical perspective but, yeah. but they don't really want to do the inner work to understand their own sexuality and to become comfortable with it um so it's it's as if they want the shiny object but they don't want to work hard for understanding uh what makes up their sexuality and why they uh have certain let's just say types of fantasies or addictions hmm. in, the, in the realm of sexuality and so yeah, those are difficult things. Um, men like to talk about they like to talk about surface level things for the most part. I mean, as we all know, because we're men. So, um, but <laughs> yeah. I think that 
anger is kind of off limits. People don't really like to speak. I mean, they'll, they'll speak about like being so angry and pissed off, but they don't really want to always connect the dots to where the anger started and how it's in the moment being projected mm. onto whomever it is that they're angry with. Mm. They don't want to, they're, they're lazy to do the work to understand its origins. Um, yeah, I would say that those are kind of some of the things that jump into my mind. Yeah, the, uh, the thing that just popped in my mind when you spoke about anger and connecting the dots was um, this, might be, this might be something I've actually seen quite a bit is when men like to like work with things or build things or use tools. And if you get angry and you, something doesn't work and get angry and you throw the tool and you yell at the tool like it's its fault, if you do this, if it's a, if you're having a bad day, that makes, that makes sense. Um, if it's a repeated thing, you might want to step back and wonder why are you so angry at an inanimate object on a daily basis or not daily basis, a consistent basis. So yeah, it's a very, yeah, yeah. Very, very interesting point. Usually it's the critic in there, you know, that's, uh, upset at the, you know, the critic has got a, they're fused with the critic inside of them and they're basically calling themselves an idiot or a moron for not being able to do it right or fast enough or, you know, or, or not completing the task correct or in time. So the frustration is born of a mess up and then a, a criticism mm. and it's outwardly directed, but it's ultimately the, the individual's inward, inward voice. Yeah, kind of like calling yourself a useless tool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, so the um, as the this podcast is called, it's called unleashing your inner man. For Tyson, for you, what does it mean to unleash your inner man? I think it has to do more so now that I've become aware of it. It's that to be a full. To, let's see, to unleash your, your man and to be fully masculine, it's to be in direct relationship and in uh, peace with the feminine nature of your manhood. And I know that that's, for a lot of men, that, that's an inconvenient thing potentially to hear. And what I mean by that is, is the more I have rectified and become more at peace with the more feminine nature and feminine traits and qualities in myself, the more masculine and more uh, my own man has unleashed and it has created me to be um, of service to the divine feminine, to women hmm. and more empathetic to them and then also a protector of them and therefore um, moving the men in my life that are, let's just say, more uh, culturally masculine within the ways in which they relating to women or treating women hmm. it allows for me to penetrate that and to uh call them out call them forth and to help them to get on the right track so i think to unleash your own man is to really be in relationship with those softer more sensitive places in you those nurturing places because it strengthens all of those real masculine places in you where you actually um where it's a healthy masculine sort of mm. energy. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, um, the, uh, I personally describe, I try to, um, 
I describe it as like the concrete traits, as you were just saying, like feminine is more like empathetic, listening, understanding, and the masculine is protector. Uh, protector is the thing that comes to mind. Yeah, protects and... Sure, absolutely. So the balance of the two. By balancing the two, you not only become a better man, you become a better human being. That's so... Yeah, unleashing, sure. yeah, unleashing the inner man is uh, accepting... Yeah, for me, like masculine and feminine, I, I think of masculinity or masculine energy as uh, doing and feminine energy as being. Mm. So there's the doing and the being, right? Mm. So uh, a lot of men just can't be. They have to do. They need to do, right? They need to fix. They distract themselves when they have an invitation to just be present and to sit. Hmm. Uh, and a lot of women, you know, are also that way where they're dominated by their masculinity and they're just doing, 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 and they haven't, they don't take a lot of time to be. So I kind of relate to it in that sense, which is the doing and the being have to be in balance in order for you to be truly present with yourself, but also with whomever it is that's in front of you, hmm. 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 which is ultimately where transformation and change can happen if you're helping to guide an individual. Hmm. Yeah. So um so here's our last question cool. so, um so the questions we've talked about today these are these are not your normal daily conversation questions and for some people this can be really um i guess the word is heavy a little little too serious depending on who's listening so i'd like to end with what is something that you've recently done that just made you laugh so hard you were you couldn't it's like, you know, like you're laughing so hard you can't breathe or you're just like, oh my God, that was amazing. Oh my God. I mean, you know, just, just something that just like kind of blew your mind and you, you were so happy it happened. Um, huh. I mean, this happens to me often. So this, this should actually come to me quite quickly. Um, but I'm trying to think, do I have anything recently? Um, it doesn't even have to be recent. Just any anything that has happened that just ah, uh, you know, just one of those joyful moments in life. It was so ridiculous. Yeah, man. I'm not sure. We'll have to come back to that one here in a sec. Let me think. <laughs> sure. Is there any other question you can ask me first? That's actually the last question. I suppose I could give you an example of mine. That just uh, yeah, give me give me an example. Some examples. Um, um, I have a daughter, and we were in the middle of a shopping mall, and she she just started. She's two. She's turned three, and she just started dancing in the middle of the shopping mall, going cha 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 cha. And then I did it with her, and it was just like, it's one of those things where. Um, it's like, it doesn't really, it doesn't matter what other people think. We're here in the middle of a shopping mall dancing and saying these words, cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha. And it's, uh, you know, it's like two little three-year-olds dancing, even though one's like, one's like, I don't know, yeah. tall and the other one's like over six feet tall. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I kind of have a situation like that. Like my, my partner and I were rock climbing recently and uh, like our favorite song just came on in the middle of the gym and we just like started breaking out dancing. And of course, you know, once you start breaking out dancing, like it leads to just being more goofy and more goofy and more goofy to the point where like, 
you look at the other person and you both just start cracking up because it's just hilarious. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that definitely is a pretty, <laughs> a pretty normal thing in, in our lives. So, yeah, that's kind of similar to you and your daughter. Fantastic. All right, uh, Tyson, thanks for being here. And um, yeah, so everyone, I hope you got at least one thing out of this uh, podcast and we'll see you in the next one. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. That was Tyson Adams with uh, all of his story and his and how he uh, makes his life a better life and unleashes his inner man. So once again, you can find out where to find him in the details below. And thanks for listening and keep being powerful.